0: Hebrews chapter 13. That's what we're going to look at today. And I'm hoping that what we look at in Hebrews 13, you see what we were attempting to do today and have a sense of where you're meant to be in this process. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 15 through 19. So I'm going to read those verses and then I'm going to pray again and then we'll break it down together. Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 15. Through him, that is through Jesus, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for with such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would not be, they would be of no advantage to you. And pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act nobly in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. And Father, I pray that you would help us even now to, to think carefully, about what sacrificial lives are meant to look like. Lord, I pray that we would be able to, in a very short time, grasp the big idea of the book of Hebrews and how we are meant to respond to that big idea through these verses. I pray, Lord, that this would seriously be the first day of the next stage for Servants Church. That, Lord, we would see that you are bringing us into a new season to bear fruit. To be a blessing to one another. To be a blessing to our community. And, Lord, we would see how this works. Please, Father, help us to know, to desire, and to have the strength to bring sacrifices that are pleasing to you. We pray it in Jesus' name and everyone who agrees says... So the book of Hebrews is written to, wait for it, Hebrews. That is, Jewish believers in Jesus. These would have been those who, who had heard Jesus, who himself was, was G, uh, Jewish, claiming to be the Messiah, that is, God's chosen king. And eventually, maybe it was in the earliest days, maybe it wasn't until way after Pentecost, but eventually they became followers of Jesus. Jesus. But the truth is that the majority of Hebrews didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. It was tricky. Because the more more people that were becoming Jesus followers, both Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles, the more that happened, the more difficult it was for Hebrew Christians to actually follow Jesus. There was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of family pressure. Sometimes they were being disowned by their families. And so going through this, they began to be tempted to think, you know what, maybe we should just go back to Judaism. We should go back to worshiping at the temple, making sacrifices, Uh, then mom and dad won't be angry with us, we won't get our homes, our jobs taken away, and we can just kind of live a quiet life. And that was their temptation. And so the author, and we don't know for sure who the author of Hebrews is, but the author wants to say to them, listen, don't do that. Don't walk away from Jesus. Don't go back to the old system because, listen, Jesus is better. He's better. You might be tempted. He would say to them that, 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 okay, yeah, but at least if we went to the temple, we we could go and worship God there. And he says, no, wait, there's someone greater than the temple. Jesus is greater than the temple. And, And you as his followers have become the very temple. They might have thought, yes, but we need, what about the sacrifice? The sacrifice is for our sins. We sin all the time, and we go to the temple, and those sacrifices are made for us. And the author would say, no, 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 Jesus is better. Because it took many sacrifices, and they had to be done over and over again. But Jesus, once for all, sacrificed himself to pay for your sins. And they might have thought, okay, well, okay, well, what about the priesthood? We need someone who's going to pray for us and represent us before God. And he reminds them, no, listen, Jesus is better. Because the truth is that those high priests, even those high priests that were assigned by God, they could only represent you until they died. And then you had to start all over again. But Jesus, when he died, after he died, what did he do? He came back to life. He resurrected the firstborn from the resurrection. And eventually he ascends to heaven. And that's where he's seated now. He's in God's presence representing us never to be kicked out, which means we're never to be kicked out. And so the author is wanting to say, listen, I know it's tempting when things get difficult. I know it's tempting when things get hard to just think maybe this Jesus stuff isn't worth it. And he said, no, it's, it's totally worth it because he's totally worth it. Because Jesus is better than anything, any religion, even the Old Testament religion can offer you. And so we get to the very last chapter, chapter 13. And what you have is, you, you, have, you have the author trying to say, now listen, there's a response that we bring. Yes, Jesus has died for all your sins, past, present, future. So you have this secure position before God because of Jesus. And yes, you have a high priest who always represents you in heaven. And so you can go to God at any time. In fact, he, he says that, right? Remember in chapter 4 where he says, um, you know, let's go boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't have to hesitate or go through another priest because we have Jesus. All those things are true, but he's also saying, listen, there's also a response that God's calling you to bring. You have a desire for sacrifices? Here's some sacrifices that God calls you to bring. And this is why, listen, the scripture calls Jesus' followers to be sacrificial because Jesus was sacrificial. And what we do is not something to to earn a better place with God or a better position with God. It's something we do to demonstrate how good our God is is. And so I want to talk about four, quickly, four things, four sacrifices that God would call us to bring. Sacrifices that would be pleasing to Him. The first one is this, and we already did some of this. We actually sang about this specifically in chapter, uh, in verse 15. What does it say? This is sacrifices of praise. Look at this. Through Him, that is through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, that is the fruit of of lips that acknowledge his name. In other words, we exalt Jesus in praise, we worship him together in praise. Why? Because he has enabled us to do so. You notice how it says through him? What gives us the right to sing songs to God? Are we singing songs to God, trying to get his attention? Please listen to us, please listen to us. No. In Christ, we have his focus. We, we, we are the apple of his eye. We're the ones that he loves and desires. And so when we come to him, we just say, Lord, we think you're wonderful and we want to sing to you. And there's a reason for this too. The reason God calls us to the sacrifice of praise is not because he needs to hear our singing. I guarantee angels sound a lot better than you. <laughs> he calls us this, listen, and we read about this. You can look it up later in Ephesians chapter 5. We read about where... That we're called to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in our hearts to the Lord, but singing to one another. Why? Listen. Because we exalt Jesus in a way that reminds one another how worthy he is to be exalted. How worthy he is to be the one that we want first. That we want to love above all things. This is why we make these sacrifices of praise. Sometimes we come to church and we sing songs and we think, we kind of judge, don't we? We thought, oh, that was a great time of worship. And what we mean by that is, I really enjoyed the songs. Now, today, personally, I really enjoyed the songs, okay? But you know what makes worship great? The great God that we're worshiping. And and what's important is that we say, Lord, you are worthy of this, whether I feel it or not. You are worthy of this. And so I'm going to bring the sacrifice of praise. I want to actually utter your greatness Before the congregation, you know why? Because they need to be reminded of how great you are. Guess what? I need to be reminded by you about how great God is. We need to remind each other about how great God is. That's why we sing together. Did you know that? It's not just so you can get some warm, fuzzy feelings about how great God is. Or to get your groove on for Jesus. It's not about that either. It's about saying, God, you're great. And we want to remind each other how great you are, Lord Jesus. That's the sacrifice of praise. But then also, verse 16, what does he say? He says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. That's pretty common sense, right? You share what you have. And it's lovely when we see in our, our Facebook group, people say, hey, I have this thing to give away. Anybody wants it, they can have it. That's lovely. That's really nice. And it's nice when we do bring and shares together. You know, we do that once a month. And I have to say, it's really, really encouraging to specifically the hospitality team, when, when most people bring something and we never have to go to the store, that's great. It doesn't always happen, but it's amazing when it does happen. But the whole point about this is not just be nice and share. Boys and girls, share your toys. It's not just that. It's the reality of God calls us to make the sacrifice of sharing, listen, to demonstrate His generosity, well, I don't know if this would shock you. Would this shock you to know that Servants Church has purchased three separate automobiles for people in the church? That's, I want to say that to bat, pat myself on the back. We're so wonderful. I'm saying that, that it's, it is glorious to see when these kinds of things happen. When people have needs, in fact, uh, to me what's great is I, I don't think in any of those cases that I said from the front, hey, someone needs a car, can we help? Someone heard through the grapevine, hey, that that someone needs a car. I got a car they can have. Or, hey, I heard someone needs a car. Can we put some money in? It's okay if I ask some people that put some money in. And they actually buy someone a car. I've personally, besides those three, been given two cars since I lived here. Now, just to make sure we're clear, don't come to Servants Church to get a free car. (laughs) That's not the point. The point is, listen, when these kinds of things happen, when this kind of generosity is shown, you know who's glorified? Not servants church, the God who's generous. Because the God who is generous, he's so giving that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is why he calls us to be generous. Interesting, in the book of Acts, uh, you have the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and right after that you have the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is this kind of transitory historical accounts between what happened with the Gospels and Jesus ascending into heaven to how, how we got the epistles, all these letters that we have in the New Testament. And the book of Acts is mainly trying to show how, how the ministry of the Apostle Peter was shadowed by the ministry of the Apostle Paul, therefore they are both real apostles. That's kind of the point. But there's this, what you see throughout the book of Acts is a group of Jesus followers, not perfect, not always even totally faithful, but who by the power of God's Spirit were radically generous to each other. It's not just about money. What about being generous with our time? What about being generous with our homes? What about being generous with our words? See, God is a generous God, and he calls us to make big sacrifices of sharing to demonstrate his generosity. He wants us to see that. He wants others to see that. Verse 17. Here's the fourth thing. Sacrifices of submission. And hopefully this is obvious. It's obvious that what we did today was we laid hands on uh, on men or we brought forth five men who will come and will help me elder this church or I will help them. We will do it together. We will lead this church. And here's the thing. That the author of Hebrews, whoever it is, has to say to these people, hey, listen, make sure you obey your leaders and submit to them. And he says, this is why, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Now, this is significant, just this by itself. It's significant because if God had to tell the Hebrew Christians, man, listen to your leaders, guess what? We're, we also have to be told the same thing. Now, submission to leadership is not about these guys get to, we get to tell you whatever. We, we, we don't get to tell you who you can date. We don't get to tell you, you know, how much money you should give or not give. We don't get to tell you where to live or what jobs to take or any of that kind of stuff. It's, it's not about some kind of control or power. It is, as it says, a responsibility to watch over your souls. If we see you straying, we go, hey, brother, sister, that's, that's not what God has for you. Let, let, let's not go that direction. If we see you neglecting the things that are going to help you grow, we say, hey, God wants more for you. Let's, let's do what God would have you do. And if your mindset is, who are these guys? I don't have to listen to them. Or you do what we'll see in the Corinthian church. We're going to see this in a few weeks when we get in the Corinthians. You say, well, I'll, I'll listen to Josh, but I'm not listening to Adam. Well, I'll listen to Adam, but I'm not listening to John. I'll listen to John, but those other guys don't know nothing. You start having that attitude, guess what? You're not doing what the scripture says. You're not making that sacrifice of submission. Now listen, you know why there's a group of us? And why it's ideal biblically for us to have a group of men uh, 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 sharing the responsibility for leadership? Because then we're called to submit one to another. Do we have to practice submission? We have to defer to one another. Well, who who defers to whom? It depends on what the situation is. It depends on what the need is. When we see someone, that person has the insight, let's defer to them. It's not all of them deferring to me or whoever comes to be the teaching pastor at the church. It's us deferring to one another. So we are practicing submission, and we're calling you, guess what? To make the same sacrifice. So that when, we, when you get challenged from the pulpit or in person, that you go, okay, this person's watching out for my soul. I need to at least consider this person that cares about my eternal soul. In fact, what does the author say? He says, they watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Do you know why the book of James says not many should become teachers? You could translate that to, or not translate that, but you could include in that elders. It says not let many of them because they're going to receive a stricter judgment. So when we face God on judgment day, the standard that we have to face is heavy, which is why a lot of guys don't want to do this, which is why I think these guys who we've, I've kind of, I think, uh, breached the subject with all five of these guys before, have before said, uh, I'm not too sure. But now that I'm leaving, they kind of thought, you know, actually, maybe I need to step up. And they, they, they counted that cost. I'm so glad, though, they were like, I'll do it, yeah. Put me up front. I'd love to be up front. Great. I'm glad they weren't like that. I'm glad there was a sense of this is a big deal to take responsibility for the souls of people. This is a thing that's important too. The reason God calls us to, to submit to those in authority over us, or us in authority submitting one to another, as those who give account, he says, well, this is why, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for it would be of no advantage to you. Listen, I, I can say this. I can say this with a clear conscience, all right? The almost, what has it been? 19 years that we've been since we started this church? Almost 19 years, 18 and a half? Have been years of joy. With a few exceptions. There's been times when it's been really, really tough. And I'll tell you, here's when it's toughest. It's not toughest when people are hurting. It's hard. We've had our own fair share of hurting this year. And when people hurt and you hurt with them, it is hard. It is hard, but you can even still find joy in that because you go, thank you, God, that you are bigger than this and you can bring us through this. But I'll tell you what, when you don't have joy, you don't have joy when you sacrifice time with your family, when you sacrifice security of, of a future, and you tell people, listen, I'm just wanting to encourage you, the Lord loves you, let's seek Him together. And they think, well, well, who are you to tell me what's up? And then they still want to stay in the church. That's not joyful. That is hard. That is tough. I have to confess, there's been more than one time when I've had to remind a few men of my testimony of being violent before I was a Christian. <laughs> and had to repent right after that. It's hard. And guess what? When it's hard for the people that are overseeing your souls, when you make it hard because you just are stubborn and you don't want to hear what God says, not what we say, what God says, when you're stubborn like that, you know what ends up happening? We don't have joy and you get less shepherding, you get less help. I, I, I want to be honest too. We did put out there, I, I think you guys probably saw, if you guys see, it was, in, it was in the email. We put it on all social media, we put it on all the website. Please be prepared to come and encourage and pray for you guys. It's, I, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, you guys who are visiting don't, don't feel any, any trip, okay? But you guys who know this is your church, I'm a little disappointed. Thank you, Sammy, for coming up. I'm a little disappointed the rest of you guys kind of just sat there. That's sad to me. It's sad to me because these guys are sacrificing a lot to do this. I get paid full time to do this. But these guys are sacrificing a lot to do this. And when we have a meh attitude, we're not bringing a sacrifice of submission. Because here's the, here's the reality. This is about, listen, receiving God's authority. And the gospel is the gospel of the king. The good news that we're meant to pronounce is that we have a God who's in charge of all things, a God who took on flesh, became a man, and died for us. He entered into every kind of suffering we've ever entered into, and he paid for every sin we've ever done, and he rose from the dead to guarantee our resurrection. We have this good God, and he's worthy to be submitted to, except when those guys in the church tell us what to do. It's not a good witness, is it? Now, I, I believe, I really believe that we at Servants Church are not changing from the best than the second to the second best. Like, you know, oh, it's been good. You know, we, we really appreciated John and Sarah's ministry. And, well, if we have to settle for these five bozos, I mean, guys, brothers, um, then the answer will do. Now, we're going from good. I, I, I'm not going to bag on my own ministry. I think God's done some good stuff. But we're going from good to better. And we're going to better because this is what God describes. A group of men who love Jesus, who are submitted to him, who are submitted to each other, that lead God's people forward. And we lead them forward knowing this, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. That's where our joy comes from. Amen. Amen. So what's the fourth one? This fourth one is where we really want you guys to be involved. You really need to. And I, I want to assume that a lot of you guys have prayed for the leadership of the church. I want to assume that's the case, okay? But in case it's not, let me just really encourage you in this. Listen, these are, this is the fourth sacrifice that pleases the Lord. It's the sacrifice of prayer. The author, again, we don't know who that is, but we know he's obviously serving in a team. Notice it says, pray for us. Pray for us for we are sure that we have a clear conscience. In other words, we, we are wanting to walk the walk ourselves and we desire to act honorably in all things. For, for, when he says pray for us, what, what does he say? If they're walking right, what do they need prayer for? To keep walking right. You see, what happens when you step up towards leadership is there's a target on your back. You become an a fishbowl, and I've got to say too, you, you've got to pray for their families. You know, we are, uh, many of the wives, not necessarily all of them, many of the wives of these men are already in, uh, well, they're all already involved in ministry. All the wives are already involved in ministry, but some of them we are encouraging to take on some leadership roles to pray about that. But not just because they're elders' wives. And we don't want them to feel any pressure to do any of that. But here's the reality. Even if they feel like, no, God's not calling any of us to do that. We're going to just serve the way we've already always been serving. You know what's going to happen? Everyone's going to start watching them even more. And their kids. One of the pastor's kids again. Who's running back and forth up there? One of the pastor's kids. This is what's going to happen. And they want to act honorable on that. Honorable is not like, my kid should be perfect. Honorable is that and saying, okay, I'll go get my kid. <laughs> but you've got to encourage them. You've got to pray for this for them. These are are men who know they need time alone with God, but when you're trying to deal with kids and and a wife and a full-time job and ministry responsibilities, trying to spend time alone with God is hard, but they know they need that. You need to pray for them to be able to get alone with God and receive from God what they need. These are men who are strong personalities. All six of us have strong personalities. And the temptation is going to be to push each other or override each other, and we're going to have to walk in humility and learn to submit to one another. Because you've got to pray for us. you got to pray for us. But don't just pray for us to be acting honor on one of those things. Pray for us as individuals as well. I love that Adam said he really looks forward to getting to know a lot more of you guys. I love that. That is our heart. You know, when we first started the church for the first, I don't know, I'd probably say the first seven or eight years, every new family who came in, we would invite them over for a meal. So someone would come over, and you know, the church the church was way smaller back then, and, and you know, so if there's only like 50 or 60 of us in a service, someone would come and everyone knew who the new person was, and so we'd say, you know, now I have to ask people, have you been here before? Because sometimes I don't know. But, but, but they would come in and we'd say, hey, well, great, good to know you, what are you thinking about, and just seeing where they're at, and then saying, you know, you're welcome to come to ours, We got some stuff in the slow cooker. We can make some more pasta. You're welcome to come over to ours. It's tougher for us to do that because we're so much more spread out as a church, even a leadership. But still, we used to do that. We can't do that as much anymore, so maybe you can invite us. Say, we want to get to know you. We want to know the kind of men and women you are. And in doing so, pray for us as individuals. This is what the author says. I urge you more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. We, th- we think it could be that he's just away and wants to go back to where these people are, maybe in Jerusalem, or it could be that he's in prison. Some people think it might be Paul in prison. Don't know. But they, the Hebrews would have known. They would have known what he's asking for, or she, there's even some versions that think it was a, a woman who wrote this, was asking for when it comes to prayer. This is the thing. We serve a God who sacrificed for us. We serve a God who, who didn't need to make anything or anyone, but did make us so that we could know him. He made this universe so that we could know him. That is why you exist. And this God didn't just kind of like sit back there and say, figure it out as you look at creation. This God became a man. As human as you or I. And he lived a life of sacrifice. The first 30 years of his life, for the most part, he lived (coughs) in a very humble setting, unknown to pretty much anyone. And then when he begins his ministry... You you see him often serving to the point of exhaustion and still getting up early the next day to go spend time with his father. And then when he lives a perfect life, he, he does all things that the scripture would call him to be. He is the only perfect man. Those who should have known him best desire him to be crucified. And then when he's falsely accused and he's beaten and he's crucified, he says, the first thing he prays while he's on the cross is Father, forgive them, they don't know what you do. And when the last things he says is, it is finished, it's paid in full. And he proves that everything that he said and did, and every everything he claimed about himself was true. Because just as he predicts, three days later, he comes back from the dead. He resurrects. Seen by many, many witnesses over 40 days. One time, 500 people at once saw him resurrected. And there's something that we don't even fully understand. Theologians wrestle with what, what it means. that when, when the God who cannot change takes on humanity, God the Son takes on humanity, and he keeps that. The, the book of Revelation seems to testify that that humanity is still there. The scars still remain In some mystery, he he adds something. He sacrifices something eternal so that we could eternally be with him. We can never earn that. We can never deserve that kind of love. But by the power of his spirit, who he gives us, God gives us his spirit. We can demonstrate that we can demonstrate our sacrificial God through sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of sharing, sacrifices of submission, and sacrifices of prayer. And people can know that our God reigns. Amen? Do you want to be that kind of church, church? Let's pray. Father, I pray for those who are still just kind of investigating you And I ask, God, that you would help them to even know what questions to ask. I can imagine how difficult it would be to wonder what even to ask. (laughs) But I pray, Lord, they wouldn't be afraid to ask any question. And I pray, Lord, by your grace, you'd give them the answers. And I pray, Lord, for anyone here who, for the rest of us here who do know you, that we do know, Lord, you're the God who loved us and sacrificed for us. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, Work in us to want to make these sacrifices and then work in us to be able to make these sacrifices. Lord, you're worthy of our praise. Your people, because they're yours, are worthy to be shared with. Lord, your leaders, because they're yours, are worthy to be submitted to. And Lord, all of us, all of us need your prayers or need you to hear our prayers. And so, Lord, we just want to say, Lord, Hear our prayers. Help us to labor in prayer one for another. Lord, we pray you do this work. We pray you do it in Jesus' name. Everyone who agrees says, amen. Amen. Amen.